Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. I am Stephen Wilson. And this podcast is a form of therapy. This podcast is meant for people that identify as victims of abuse or addiction. I am in group therapy as I am a adult survivor of childhood sex abuse. I'm also a drug user. Today's reading comes from Walt Whitman, Thanks in Old Age. Got to get my glasses on. Thanks in old age. Thanks, here I go. For health, the midday sun, the impalpable air, for life, mere life. For precious, ever-lingering memories of you, my mother dear, you, father, you brothers, sisters, friends. For all my days, not those of peace alone, the days of war the same. For gentle words, caresses, gifts from foreign lands. For shelter, wine, and meat. For sweet appreciation. You distant, dim, unknown, or young or old. Countless and unspecified readers beloved. We never met and never shall meet. And yet our souls embrace long, close, and long. For beings, groups, love, deeds, words, books, for colors, forms, for all the brave, strong men, devoted, hardy men, who for young wards sprung in freedom's help, all years, all lands. For braver, stronger, more devoted men, a special laurel, ere I go to life's war, chosen ones the cannoneers of song and thought, the great artillerists, the foremost leaders, captains of the soul. As soldier from an ended war returned, as traveler out of myriads to the long procession of retrospective thanks, joyful thanks, a soldier's traveler's thanks. That was a poem from Walt, from Walt Whitman, Thanks in Old Age. Well, my friends, it is a day after, the day after of one of the greatest holidays ever, Groundhog Day. And once again, Puxedani Phil has given us the fortune we are to have an early spring. And there was a time in my life when I thought listening to a rodent was the dumbest thing that we've ever done until I actually had a chance to go to Woodstock, Illinois, just north of Crystal Lake where I grew up. And I actually saw the movie being made. One of the guys that used to work for my grandpa's construction company, he was, a, he was an extra in the movie. 
And I always found that film to be a little bit darker than it plays on, on the screen because the idea of repetition, things getting old, rinse and repeat, same day, different decade, same day, different life. Well, it was a bit of a surprise for me, but this time around in group therapy, I, I decided to inform the crew of what was happening with my mother. And I guess I uh, just let the faucet on and just let it pour out. And as the title of the podcast indicates, that age is the cage. It had always been something of a, well, there are many metaphors for life. But since I have been going there so often, being around those people, and it's not just my mother, but the thing was is that some of those people that are in that nursing home, they don't ever leave. They don't get visitors, they don't even go outside. And the more time that I spend there, I actually see what the staff, the employees actually do. I mean, I'm not just talking about the brochure they hand you during the interview and the presentation of the place. This is it. This is this is not the theory. This is the this is where the rubber meets the road. And I I I, I have tried and tried not to double back and go around in my own life. Quite frankly, I've just been too busy. I'm dealing with uh, her her appointed doctor. And uh, the, the quest for diabetic shoes, the paper cuts from Medicare, for those of you that are not American, that's our form of uh, social medicine for the aged. And it is paper cuts, because I'm dealing with the pharmacy, the pharmacist, the shoe specialist, and then, and then the, the Medicare people, and then all of the, the paperwork in between. and just for a pair of shoes. And for the first time, I, I began to realize that my mother was really excited about the shoes because they're free. I tried to explain her the economic folly of calling something free, but it didn't, it didn't work. But the, in dealing with the guys in the group and I'm the oldest one on the group now. Most of them are pretty young. When I listen to them chime in, they don't have any basis. See, in your life, you think about old age, but everything is known vicariously. You, you see old age with your, your grandma and grandpa then you see it with your parents, and then you get there. And when your grandpa tells you, he's like, look, you shouldn't be sitting there, you should be going outside and running around. Got all this energy. You kind of laugh it off. 
Because the thing is, is that with my mom, she thinks that she wasted her time. And I'm not really sure you could say that when you're at 30 or 40, but you can say it at 78 because you're running out of time. And at that, at that point in your life, everything that you used to do, you have to be reminded that you did those things. And now my mother is talking about a, a sequel. She sees the, the final couple falls that she suffered as, a, as the beginning of another phase of her life. I think she's trying to convince herself Obviously, she's talking to me and others, the social worker. But I think she's trying to convince herself. Because she was initially in there because she was in a wheelchair. But now that her physical therapy has run its course, and she's now going from the walker to the cane, I have to wonder, maybe she's right. Because I think that when you first get hit, that you get proof. I say, hey, you know what? You're not as young as you used to, as you used to be. I know it sounds simple, but it appears that as a creature of cognition and a creature of sensation, the human does need that one moment when you realize, hey, I'm not as young as I used to be. And that's the proof. But my thing is, is that what do you do with the proof? How do you handle it? What do you, you put it up on the shelf, you put it in the cupboard, you put it in your pocket. What do you do with it? Because when you're old, being old doesn't make any sense. It is true that you could turn back around and look at the path you've taken since you were a teenager. But what is the utility? I've mentioned it before that the people of a certain age, they're like a photo album of their life. And that's what it is. You sit there in your comfortable chair with your sweater and your scarf and your little blanket on your lap and you look at the photo album and you go back through when you got married and when you had your first kid and when you got moved into your, your big home and then you got your yard and then you got the pool and then you went to, took on the vacation to, uh, to Dade County and, and, and all across the world. and. That's what it is. Memories, photos. That's what it is. But now she talks like she has defeated the fall. The proof that she can no longer defy gravity. The idea that she can't really live on her own. That doesn't phase her. But there's another observation. For as attuned as she used to be in regards to the feelings of other people, she seems to be absolutely singular in her mind right now. She doesn't want any more proof that she's old. And being around these people that are in wheelchairs and, and other contraptions of, of basic immobility, she wants to get out of there and, and live her life. She wants, another t she wants another go around. She wants another rodeo. But there are a great many people that worry. 
it's all well and good for you to want to be on your own, to save autonomy, to have another rodeo, but what is the logistics of it? Just because you want something doesn't really mean that you deserve it. I've spoken before about the implications of dignity. The idea that everybody deserves to die with a dignity. And, the, and this last gasp of breath, this last rodeo, what is it supposed to entail? Just how many people is it going to take for you to sustain this rodeo for whatever, another year, another five years, another month? Because when, for myself, having gone through the holidays, and we have another holiday coming up, Valentine's Day, many of these people, they've outlived their spouse. Some of them have buried children, like my mother. And they share these war stories of what it is to be an old person. Because when someone young dies, People always talk about it, that it's a shame. But when you're old and you die, nobody says that. It's like, well, they're better off because they couldn't do A and B and C and D. They're better off because they weren't really living. What does that mean? Living for your sake or theirs? My mom wants another rodeo. I have no idea what that means. But she knows what it means but she cannot think outside of her own wants and desires. It took her going all the, the whole way. She went, she's gone the distance. It's taken her that time to be that selfish. Because that's what we're talking about here. She wants to go back living on her own and now she wants back into her old place at the senior compound, senior housing. And I, I'm not really sure how to tell her that she can't get insurance. The, the liability. People don't really have a problem, you know, calling the paramedic and say, so-and-so was found dead on the floor on the toilet, in the kitchen, take them out. But it's the ones that have gone her road, the ones that fall, the ones that, that get injured because of their own selves. And again, I, I keep thinking about her plans, and I keep thinking about Groundhog Day. Because the one thing that Bill Murray doesn't have to suffer is that he didn't age. Doesn't matter how many days he repeated, he went back and he got a whole new day. It was the same day, but he did something different with it. And I think to a certain extent, people, they need to see the reflection. Now it is true that people, they get plastic surgery and old women put on a ton of makeup and they try to ignore old man river. Father Time. But I believe that it is part of our maturation as a, as a species. It, it, it plays a crucial role in our pathology, our comprehension. Why is the old man so wise? 
Well, because he's lived a whole life. You die at 23, you knew what a 23-year-old did. You know everything that a 23-year-old would know. You die in combat at 20, you know everything there is to know about war. But you're dead, so you can't take it, you can't use it. And then we pretend to learn something from these tragedies, because it, it was a horrible waste of life. But maybe, just maybe, that's all the life they had. If they hadn't died at 23, if they hadn't died at 20, maybe everything after that would have been suffering. Because there are people there, I don't think that they're living. I see them, and they're sitting in their wheelchairs. Some of them mumble. Some of them can feed themselves. My mom is one of the few people that can actually take a bath by herself. But they don't do anything. And I kept thinking about my metric. Why would I use that kind of, of, of criteria? Why am I talking about action? There's a woman in there that mom has lunch with, and she's 100 years old. Now, she's in a wheelchair. She doesn't walk. But cognitively, she's doing just fine. She can feed herself. She has a pretty good sense of humor. Nowhere near what my mom's warped sense of humor is, but they seem to get along. And it has been this kind of socialization. When mom was living by herself, she didn't have contact with this many different kinds of people. Because in that senior housing compound, people got out, they, they did gardens, and they walked around, and they went to socialize with each other. And there was some contact. They went shopping. They would, go out to, they would go out to eat. They would do these things together because it was like a team. Oh, we live in the same place, and we're close to the same age, so we understand. It's a life lived. And let's go ahead and enjoy this time in our own. But at the end of, of the film, Groundhog Day, Phil Collins, the, the character that Bill Murray plays, he, he tries to find love. And I, obviously it's a movie script, it's, con, it's absolutely contrived, but it seems to me that love, it fills up that time. Same day, different week, same day, different decade. Same day, all life. There was a dark comedy in there somewhere. I just think they made it into a comedy. But there is something dark in that, because as I mentioned, there are metaphors for life all over the place. But I wonder if these people could actually speak, the ones in the wheelchairs, the ones that have to be dressed and, and groomed, and uh, they have to be taken care of in regards to uh, you know, just basic necessities, going to the bathroom, eating. Is this what they thought their life would become the culmination of being in a nursing home? Because mom talks about it sometimes, about what it would have been like 
if my dad had been alive? Because it wouldn't have happened. And the thing is, is that she knew exactly what I had to do to take care of him at the end of his life. And she made it quite clear that she couldn't do it herself. That's why I came there. And so it goes back to those people, the people around her. I wonder, I wonder what lesson, if any, is she learning? Because I don't think, I, I don't think she's running towards something. I think she's just running away from something. She's running away from the the concept of the nursing home, but she's also running away from the daily life of somebody that is just, their body is a, is a cage. Their body is a prison. Their heart still pumps, but they've outlived everybody. And there are two new people in there that they suffer from dementia. And I don't know which would be worse, losing your ability to use your arms and legs, your, your fine gross motor function, not being able to swallow, having to get all your meals through an IV, or not remembering. Because that, that to me would be well, it's almost like you never existed. I mean, it's one thing to bury your spouse, but it's another for you to forget them. The idea that nobody shows up until you die. We're handing out flyers. We're handing out tickets for your funeral. There's a lot of people signed up. In the meantime... Who knows? The body betrays the heart and the mind and you are left to your own device. And you're locked in. No matter what you do, you can't change anything. Because you have lived. And to the passerby, it appears that you have lived too long. For the things that really mattered. Okay. Well, that's all I have for this time. You've been listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. May you be a blessing and may you find serenity. And be grateful for the life that you have, the time that you have because the clock is like a bomb and the regret is a fuse. Live. And I have to say it, thank you for my time. Thank you for my age. <laughs>